How can you reach your health and fitness goals without feeling overwhelmed or defeated? I learned things the hard way when I started my journey almost a decade ago. Now I run an online business dedicated to helping women avoid all of the mistakes I made along the way. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in my own journey and in helping hundreds of women through theirs. If you want real results and an approach that is sustainable for, well, real life, then the Fit to Live podcast with your host, me, Sydney Tollett, is going to be your new best friend. I'll see you inside. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about some common food tracking mistakes and potential reasons why your progress might be stalled. So before I do get into the different food tracking mistakes, we're actually going to be talking about 10 of them today. I also just kind of want to touch on tracking macros as a whole because I think it's a a hot topic for sure and I think that there's obviously divided sides on it and if you guys have listened to my podcast for you know any amount of time you probably already know my kind of take on macros so I'm not going to go super detailed but I personally don't pick a side. I think that macros are an amazing tool and I have tons of clients who are tracking macros and I also have clients who aren't. I see both um, both uses and I don't ever like to talk down on macros because I actually think that they can be one of the best tools for so many reasons, um, not only just for seeing the progress that you want to see, but for education and for just so many things. So um, before we get into this, though, I did want to kind of give a really helpful comparison. And I think when we compare talking about calories to talking about finances, it can actually make a lot of things click. So if we were to compare tracking macros to something like a budget, I feel like, and I kind of just alluded to this, but people tend to get pretty emotional on social media when it comes to talking about tracking food. You know, like it's disordered, nobody should be doing it. But at the end of the day, energy balance is not optional when you're looking to shift your body composition. Like we have to have energy balance in the proper place. And just like... If we're talking about a budget, like the actual difference in what you're making versus spending, like that's not an optional thing if you're trying to save a certain amount. Same thing goes with calories. Like we basically have a calorie budget and there's no way to get around that. And this is coming from someone who I am also very passionate about like nutrient density within the diet hormones, gut health, all of that stuff. But I can talk about that stuff all day. I love it. I think they're really important topics. But at the end of the day, it doesn't take away from the fact that energy balance is not optional when we're looking to shift body comp. And actually, energy balance does you know play a role in a lot of the things that we're going to work on with different hormonal and gut things as well. Um, now, as far as like the details of that would depend on the situation. But anyways, let's say that your friend told you that she's on a tight budget. She wants to pay off some debt. Like, would you tell her like, girl, you're doing too much by being tedious with your spending? No, like that just makes sense. So I think same thing goes for calories. So I did kind of want to give that 
just intro, I guess. But I personally pretty much always, almost always recommend tracking if you have a specific body composition goal. To me, it's it's less stressful because you're not just like guessing like, am I in a deficit today? Was it too big of a deficit, too small of a deficit? You just know, like you don't have to guess. You just know you have a plan. It's more efficient and more effective, like at the end of the day. So I love tracking for specific body comp goals. And again, I see scenarios absolutely where people, maybe it's not the time to be tracking. I actually have several clients right now who we either aren't every day. I have a couple of girls who aren't at all. It really just depends on the scenario, but I definitely love tracking for body comp specific goals. And I mean, I do use tracking for other other goals as well. But anyways, okay, now we can actually get into the bulk of this episode. So let's say that you're tracking your food, but progress just isn't happening. I get this in my DMs a lot, you know, like I've been tracking or whatever. So what could be going on? Um, I'm going to walk you guys through 10 mistakes that I see, and keep in mind, I literally coach full-time, so I genuinely see these mistakes often, so these are coming from experience, and honestly, things that I've learned over time as well in my journey, and then I'm just going to give three bonus tips at the end when it comes to kind of thinking about progress and why it might be stalled and things that you can um, look at, so let's talk about the 10 mistakes first. So the first mistake that I see often is generic entries. And by the way, if somebody is listening to this and you're like, wait, what's tracking? I'm talking about tracking like your proteins, your carbs, and your fats, which also means that you're tracking your calories because protein, proteins, carbs, and fats all have calories. So if we're keeping account of those, we also have a calorie total that we're hitting as well. And when I'm talking about tracking, we're utilizing something like a MyFitnessPal or whatever, you know, whatever app that you use. So anyways, the first mistake is going to be generic entries. So one example that I really like to use for this is like lasagna, for example. And this has like actually happened before. So, um, Maybe I go into a client's food diary and I see an entry that just says like lasagna, one piece. Okay, we have some some details to flesh out here because that one piece of lasagna, like what that could literally be 300 calories or a thousand calories. Like how big was the piece? What were the ingredients in that piece of lasagna? Like we need more details. And I see that happen often. And actually, over time, I've worked in more to my client resources, like tips on this kind of stuff ahead of time so that I don't see this stuff as often. But definitely starting out, you know, that's going to be something that sometimes I have to talk to people about is these like generic entries, you know, um, one cookie or like whatever. It's like, okay, how big? What kind? Was it homemade? Was it a package? Like, what are we talking about here? that will definitely start to add up to a lot of inconsistency within tracking. So just be sure when you're tracking your food that you are tracking specifically and you are tracking like what you actually use. So if you have a homemade lasagna that you're making, create your own recipe with the ingredients that you use. Because even if we're talking about like a 
like a ground beef? Like, was it a the 96.4 Trader Joe's ground beef? Or was it like an 80-20, like, you know, much higher fat ground beef? Those things are really important. So be sure that you're tracking what you use and not just going for these like random generic entries that are very likely quite far off in a lot of cases. So that's the first one. The second mistake that I commonly see is that you aren't actually logging everything. So I'm talking about like, oh, that little, you know, drizzle of oil in the pan that you use, that extra lick of peanut butter off the end of the knife that, you know, we didn't actually track, that cream in your coffee, that half and half in your coffee that you're not tracking, the condiments, um, liquid calories, you know, the bite of your boyfriend's meal that he was having, the candy that you grabbed in the break room at the office, like all of these things need to be logged because they will add up and they will start to creep in. If we're trying to create a deficit, all these little things that you're not logging will start to creep in. And so that's something I see often. Now, I did want to hit on the the oil on the pan thing. So here's my take on oil. You know, like the spray oils, those it says zero calories per spray, right? But it's not actually, it's literally oil in spray form. So it's still, you're still using basically like an oil. But how I like to look at that is if I am doing a super quick spray on my pan, I don't track that. But if I'm ever doing like an actual drizzle of an oil, yes, 100% I'm going to track that. And my thing with the spray is I use, I kind of see that as like a baseline. So I use about the same amount each day. I may do a little spray for my eggs, a little spray to reheat my my meal prep, whatever in a pan. Um, But for me, that's kind of like my baseline. And so even if it's adding a couple, you know, a couple extra calories to my day, If I'm being very, very consistent across the board, whenever I need an adjustment, I'm still adjusting for my baseline, even if it was 20 calories higher, right? So that's how I kind of view the spray because like I'm not going to have somebody track every spray of oil. Now, what I have told people though is if you're like, you know, spraying that thing for like 10 seconds and it's basically turning into a whole teaspoon of oil, then we probably do need to track a little bit for it. But that's my take on that. So I guess I just threw that in as a little bonus there. But yeah, definitely if you're doing like a drizzle of oil on the pan, whatever, you're definitely going to want to track that and be sure that you're tracking it accurately as well. So that is a big mistake though that I see is that you just aren't logging everything that you're having. So maybe like you pre-plan your day and so it looks great in your app but that's not actually what you're eating. So you're like, well, like I'm hitting my macros. It's like, no, that's what's in your app. You're not actually, that's not what you're actually consuming. And that stuff really does add up. I mean, if we talk about even just a hundred calories or even we can go 50, 50 calories from oil, extra 50 calories from that lick of peanut butter, you know, 20 calories here and there from condiments a little bit from, you know, that bite of your boyfriend's food, we're already adding up to like 200, 250 calories, you know, add that up across the span of a week, it's going to start to cut into your deficit. So keep those things in mind with that. Um, So that was the second one. The third mistake that I see is that you're logging foods based off of your memory for the day instead of actually like being very accurate with things. And the problem with this is not only could you truly forget something, but it also relies on your ability to guess the correct portion sizes that you had, which 
even in research, <laughs> it shows that we're pretty poor at that. Um, so that's going to be something where you don't just want to kind of get to the end of the day and be like, hmm, okay, let me input everything that I had because that's going to be a lot of guesstimating and there is a lot of room for error. Um, and I'm going to get to in the bonus tips, like we need to basically be doing the opposite of that, but definitely not at the end of the day. Like I would say at minimum <laughs> as you go and being actually accurate with it, but you know, even better pre-planning, which we'll get to. So the fourth thing, and this kind of comes along, ties in really nicely with this one, is that you aren't weighing things out. Now, what I will say when it comes to weighing foods out, I do think that part of this is going to be dependent on like what phase that you're in and like even certain things of like past knowledge and, and things like that. But what I will say is especially in a deficit phase, like we very likely want to be weighing out pretty much everything. The only thing in a deficit phase that like even I don't usually weigh out would be like if I'm just doing a cup of broccoli, I'm fine if that's, you know, a couple grams off because that's not going to add up to many calories whatsoever. But when it comes to things like my oatmeal, my nut butter, salad dressings, even like you know, slices of bread, I'm going to weigh that because if you think about one of like a sourdough loaf, well, some of the pieces could be like 40 grams, some of them are like 80. So if you track, you know, just whatever the label says, it's probably not actually like perfectly accurate. So we actually want to be weighing things out. Um, you know, one medium apple, like that could literally be twice as much as you actually tracked depending. Um, so actually weighing things out by grams instead. And again, there is a time and a place um, for maybe phases where we can just be a little a little bit more generic with it, you know? Um, a cup of this, uh, you know, one apple here and kind of guesstimating a little bit more. But for the sake of this episode, if we are in a deficit and we're wanting to be super accurate with our tracking, we want to be weighing stuff out. We want to be a little bit more tedious with that. Um, and I think that really until you're just like super, super experienced, like it's, it's definitely rare that I see someone who can truly guesstimate well when it comes to, to serving sizes and portion sizes until they've tracked for a significant amount of time. And even then, in an actual deficit phase, I think it's smart to just go ahead and weigh pretty much everything. Um, again, outside of the exception of like, if you're not wanting to weigh like your broccoli, but you do still wanna track that. So that's my thoughts um, on that. But that's definitely a big mistake that I see is people not weighing things out. So please be sure to do that, especially like the nut butters, the salad dressings, breads, dry oats, rice, honestly everything, fruit. Like we need to be weighing things out because those little discrepancies can definitely add up throughout the day. And I know like pulling out your food scale, weighing stuff, yeah, it's a little bit more tedious, but it is what it is. Like do we want to be accurate or not? And I think for me, it just becomes a habit and it just becomes easier and easier. Um, and kind of like second nature. And this is also why we don't need to be in these super tedious dieting phases year round. Like if you are weighing every single thing out to the gram year round, we need to talk about periodization for you because the context of this episode is in a more tedious phase. 
but that doesn't always need to be the phase that you're in. So keep that in mind as well. Okay. So another common mistake is that you are confusing cooked and dry weights. This actually happened with a client literally like a week and a half ago um, with rice because, so for example, um, when you cook rice, it's going to expand in weight, right? And when you cook a protein, it's actually going to shrink. Um, and so we want to be sure that what we're tracking is accurate. So for example, let's take oatmeal, for example. The label on like just some rolled oats, that's going to be for the dry oats. So if it says that a serving is 40 grams or whatever, you're weighing that out while it's dry. You're not cooking your oatmeal and then weighing it. So it's important to make sure that you're like, whatever you're tracking is how you're weighing it. Unless you have like, for example, like on proteins, typically your protein sources are going to shrink by about, about 20%, 15-20%. Um, I've found for my own entries, it's usually closer to 15%. Um, so, for example, if I put into my MyFitnessPal that I had four ounces of ground beef because the label is talking about the raw weight, but let's say I have it meal prepped. Well, I'll do four times 0.85. I'm going to track four ounces, but I'm only going to weigh out 3.4. And same thing like... Well, not same thing, but I guess with something like oatmeal, it's not necessarily meal prepped, so you just go ahead and weigh it dry. Now, things like um, like the Trader Joe's rice bags, for example, the weight on their food label is actually already for the steamed weight, which I actually, I like that. They do it that way um, for that. So just a side note if anybody uses those. But that is a definitely a common mistake that I see is people confusing the whole like cooked versus dry. So there's going to be times when you want to kind of get that rough um, kind of variable to multiply by uh, depending on how much it like, you know, shrinks or grows, I guess you could say. But there's also going to be times when you just want to weigh it out as is, for example, the oats. So hopefully that makes sense. I know that that can, it can sound a little bit confusing, but once you actually put that into practice, it truly does start to make more sense. Like I don't even have to think about it anymore. It's just something like I understand, like pasta is another great example. Like the, the weight or the the serving size on the back of a pasta label is talking about the dry weight of the pasta, so you want to weigh it dry. So those kinds of things are gonna be really important. Um, okay, so that was number five. And then another one, number six, another thing that people confuse often is the grams of something in weight versus the grams of macros. <laughs> so for example, 100 grams of a chicken breast is not 100 grams of protein. 100 grams of a banana is not 100 grams of carbs. The food weight is not the same as the macro grams, right? So if I have, let's say I've got about 45 grams of oats, and I'm this isn't going to be exact, but let's, assume, let's say that's like, what, 27 or something-ish grams of carbs? That could be wrong. Uh, off the top of my head, that's for some reason I'm thinking it's like 27. Um, but anyways, let's say 
that you were confused and you thought that, oh, well, if I weigh out, you know, roughly 40 grams of oats, that's like 40 grams of carbs. No, it doesn't work that way. So make sure that we're differentiating between the weight of the food on the scale and the grams of the macros that that amount of food provides because those are going to be different things. Not to mention, you know, a lot of foods are going to have a combination you know, chicken, if you use chicken thighs, may also have some fat in it and things like that. So, and if you're tracking, you'll start to learn this, but that is something that I think people do get confused on sometimes. Okay, number seven, another very common um, tracking mistake, and this is a huge one, and this is a huge reason why people's progress truly does stall, is because you come out of your deficit every single week. When we think about a deficit, you know, five days hitting your macro targets is great. Like, that's awesome. But if your weekend causes you to come out of your deficit week after week, you're not going to make progress because it's going to, the average is going to matter more than anything. But so if you have five days where you're hitting everything, that's great. But then you go quite a bit over on the weekends and it nets out to you're at maintenance. Well, then you're at maintenance and you're not going to see progress. So I see that happen very often. And I think one problem that can happen just in general on the weekends is that people have a very all or nothing mentality to eating out. So maybe you have an all or nothing mentality of like, okay, well, I don't know the exact, you know, macros of this, so I'm not even going to try to guess. And then you just end up going way over. And another thing I think that happens is that people act like they don't have options. It's like this thing where we want to just act like we don't really have any responsibility and like we can't control things because, oh, we're eating out when in reality, when you look at a menu, more often than not, you're going to have options that are much more macro friendly than others, much more um, calorie friendly than others, things like that. And like, it's your goal. So you have to own and be accountable to that and not let yourself fall into that all or nothing mentality and that mentality of just not taking responsibility for your actions. And I see that happen a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot with weekends. So if you are somebody who maybe you're tracking but your progress is stalled, yes, all those other things I was talking about are important, but this might be one of your biggest reasons is that your weekends are throwing you off. And I think too, like just with eating out in general, and I'm going to talk about this in some of the bonus tips that I had, but Eating out in general can definitely be something that might be helpful to scale back on in a deficit phase so you can be more accurate. Um, but even when you are eating out, yeah, maybe the meal that maybe you're not going to order the most indulgent thing on the menu. But honestly, when we look at like meals out, I mean, it's definitely something where even even some pretty basic meals at restaurants that I've seen, like, you know, some like the health health foodie places out here in California, for example, I look at their nutrition facts, like True Food Kitchen, for example, it may be a very like, quote unquote, healthy meal from like an ingredient standpoint. I don't even like, that's why I said quote unquote, because like, that's a whole other conversation. But I look at the calories and I'm like, this thing, how is this thing 800 calories? But it's because of the oils they use and all that stuff. So the more basic that you can get when you're eating out, um, typically the more macro friendly you're going to be as well. So I think this is, I guess, a, a sub point to, to eating out. 
you're going to want to get good at guesstimating things and understanding like when you have the options to just get steamed veggies versus veggies soaked in oil or understanding like, okay, if I order this, I need to actually track in some oil, you know, things like that. And again, I want to say this again, just like I did with the weighing things out. There's a time and a place to be more tedious with your eating out and a time and a place when you have a little bit more flexibility. I'm always a proponent of moderation with eating out regardless of the phase that somebody is in. However, there will be phases where you're a little more dialed in than others and that's just the nature of it and I think people try to avoid that and coaches try to avoid saying that but it, it really just literally is what it is. Like Again, just like going back to that budget analogy, if you're on a budget and you have an exact amount that you can spend in a month, you have an exact amount that you can spend in a month. Like, what are we going to do about that? Same thing goes with the calories. We are on a calorie budget and you can't get emotional and hurt feelings over the fact that if you go over that, you go over that. Like, it just is a fact. <laughs> so that would be number seven is you come out of your deficit every week. <laughs> And you're putting in all this hard work and energy for those five days, but you're net averaging neutral. So that's why you're stalled. So number eight is that you are tracking alcohol wrong. Now, I do just want to say, I don't really recommend alcohol in a deficit as a whole. Like, I understand here and there it might come up where you track in, you know, a glass of wine or a drink or whatever. I would say try to make that, you know, few and far between in a deficit because of its impact on sleep, recovery. Um, I mean, it's taking away from nutrients when we're already in an energy deficit, so not my favorite. But it does happen from time to time, and if you do track it, be sure to do it right. So first of all, we do have to account for the calories. Like, they do count. But whenever it comes to alcohol calories, basically what you're going to want to do is take away, even though it's not, for example, it's not carbs, we have to take from something, right? So what I like to do and what I recommend to people is get the calorie number of the drink. So if you know the drink that you're having is like 100 calories, for example, and let's say, okay, I need to account for those calories somehow. Let's say that you choose to use carbs, 100 divided by 4 because carbs are 4 calories per gram. You're going to track 25 grams of carbs for that drink. So just be sure that you do that because when I've seen this actually not one time, multiple times I'll go in and look and somebody has maybe they like they looked up the drink that they had and they tracked it and I go in and look and I'm like, if you open the actual details, it just had the calories, but it didn't take away anything from protein, carbs, and fats because alcohol calories aren't protein, carbs, and fats, but we have to account for them somewhere because if you hit your macros, let's say you hit your macros and you had a drink tracked in over it, but that drink didn't account for anything, well, then you didn't actually hit your numbers. You actually went over on calories by alcohol. So we have to take that alcohol calories and account for it with something. Um, so, or, you know, another way to go about this, not to, hopefully this doesn't confuse people adding another option, but if you were just tracking calories and protein that day, then it wouldn't matter as much because you'd just be looking to hit your calories and protein. But if you were looking to hit you know, an exact protein, carb, and fat number. Let's say you zeroed those out and then had a drink on top of it, and you're like, wait, oh, it didn't change my macros. Cool. Well, that's, <laughs> we still have to account for it, right? So you're actually basically going over. Well, not basically, you are going over. So anyways, just be sure that you're tracking alcohol correctly, accounting for that, because it 
does count. Alcohol calories do count, though they are non-nutritive and they don't have any benefit, they do count. Um, okay, so that was number eight. And then number nine, another common food tracking mistake is that you aren't planning it ahead. And this, honestly, you're just making things so hard on yourself by not planning ahead. And it's basically what ends up happening is your adherence is going to suffer at some point with not planning ahead. It may not be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but by the time you get Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, your adherence is going to start to suffer. Even things like if you are just making it work and guesstimating as you go, you're just, like I said, making it so hard on yourself. You're probably having excessive food focus, always thinking about food, and not to mention if you didn't plan it ahead and so you don't have many great options around, like what are we eating? Like is it stuff that's making you feel good? Is it stuff that you're digesting well? Or are you literally eating protein bars, protein shakes, and like cheese? Like I see that often. Um, and then, you know, somebody's also complaining, oh, I'm starving and I'm low energy and I'm constipated. And I'm like, okay, well, do we see food sources right now? We need to plan ahead because right now you're just grabbing whatever you can and it's impacting your energy, your digestion, all of that. So not to mention, like I said, it's just stressful. Like if you don't have it planned ahead, you're going to be thinking about food all day and you're going to be getting to the end of the night like, what the heck are these macros that I have left? Like, I don't know what to do with this. Whereas if you plan ahead, you don't have to think about that. And when you plan ahead, you can go ahead and make sure if you know that it helps you with your adherence to have some a little, little something sweet tracked in after dinner, you can go ahead and plan ahead for that. Whereas if you're not planning ahead, you're going to get to the end of the night. What if you literally just have, oh, I'm already over on fat but I also have 30 grams of protein left. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, I guess you're going to, if you really want to hit it, well, you're not going to hit it because you already went over on fats, but let's say you still really want to hit your protein. You just eat egg whites plain, I guess. <laughs> like, that's that's where it, it becomes a problem and we're just kind of doing it and winging it as we go. So make sure that you are planning ahead. And I've talked about this in previous episodes, so I'm not going to super extend on it right now, but... I think it can be really helpful to, when, you, when you're thinking about planning ahead, plan in your proteins first, then your carbs, then your like fruits and veggies, then your fats. I think that can be a really helpful way to do it um, when you're looking at kind of planning out those balanced meals. Until you get more experience, then you'll probably, I mean, I would still plan ahead once you're more experienced, but then you can kind of do it however you find works best for you. Um, like I can plan, you know, each meal at a time. I don't really have to start with proteins then like, cause I just have enough experience, but that can be a good way to start. And then the last thing, why your progress is stalled. And then I'm going to get into my bonus tips. But number 10 is that you aren't actually in a deficit. So let's say that you just listen to all of that and you're like, you know, I, you know, I'm not using generic entries. I am logging everything that I eat. Like I'm weighing things out. I know that I'm tracking accurately. I do good on my weekends. Um, I'm planning ahead, all of this, and I'm still stalled. Like, I don't know what's going on. You aren't actually in a deficit. And this one is extremely common. Um, I think that there's a lot of reasons like that this could be, for example, like it could be 
that you're compensating elsewhere. Like for example, if you drop food and then all of a sudden your steps went from like, oh, I hit 10,000 steps a day and now you're sedentary on the couch all day, like that can start to cut into things. Our bodies even start to compensate more with um, calories burned from, you know, set cardio that we're doing, all of these other uh, compensatory mechanisms of the body. But also it could be, you know, that your food drop just wasn't enough. Maybe maybe the first food, food drop was enough and like you've, you know, lost a little bit of weight or whatever and things have just kind of like, you know, downregulated and it's, it's time for an adjustment. Like that happens. Um, but I also do see like a big mistake sometimes is like people, I think this is very social media driven as well, is like people are scared to to make a big enough adjustment at first. Like we got to get you in a deficit and people have different maintenance ranges. And so I think it's important to understand that too. Like if you're somebody who has a really big maintenance range, you can make a drop. And if it's not big enough, you're still at maintenance. So like some people just need bigger drops. Um, and I'm not going to get into specific details here, but like with my clients, how I like to go about creating a deficit as I'll actually start on a little bit more aggressive side of things. And once I like once I know somebody's body, like if it's the second diet phase, I know what I need to get them to to get them into a deficit. But let's say that it's the first one I've ever done with somebody and we're kind of we're we're getting into this deficit. I'm probably actually gonna make the drop a little more aggressive. Because if they are that person with a large maintenance window, I need to be sure I actually get them into a deficit. And now let's say I made that pretty aggressive drop and it was actually a person with a really tiny maintenance window and so it's a big deficit. Well, if it's too big, I'll just literally add food the next week. Like it's not that big of a deal. Um, so I do see that happen a lot though is people just will drop off, you know, 200 calories and like, I mean, yeah, good luck with that. Um, unless you have like the tiniest maintenance window ever and you are already sitting like towards the bottom of it, that's probably not going to do much. Um, but you do have to learn your body over time. And this is why too, you have to, you have to be okay, like making, making some adjustments, right? Like whenever I very first set somebody's calories and I explain this to my clients, like, Hey, if this is a little too aggressive, don't worry. Like we'll add a little bit of food. Um, and by the way, I'm not out here promoting you just like go from, you know, 2,100 calories to 1,200 calories. That's literally not what I mean by aggressive. I'm not going to get into the math on this, but anyways, so that could be another reason though why your progress is stalled is because you just aren't actually in a deficit. You may be tracking your macros, hitting them, you're killing it, but if you aren't in a deficit with what you're tracking, you're not going to see progress. So that's very common and definitely a high possibility. Now, especially with like, especially with my girls who are like five foot tall and such. And, you know, I feel like some, some of social media makes people think that, oh, these five foot girls, like what? You can't take them to this calorie amount. I'm like, what do you mean? They're, they're smaller humans. We're going to have to take them to lower calories. Like what? I mean, of course there's like outliers with these, like, you know, who can stay pretty high, but for the most part, like we're going to have to get them lower and it just is what it is. So anyways, those are the 10 mistakes. And then just three bonus tips in general when it comes to tracking or like if your progress is stalled. So the first one is going to be don't make adjustments too soon. I know I was just talking about adjustments and that's literally why I put this one as number one. 
because we also don't want to make adjustments too soon. Um, first of all, you need to be sure that you're being accurate with all the other stuff that I talked about before you're like, oh, I guess I need to drop food lower. Do you really? Or do you need to actually, you know, take accountability for your weekends? Do you need to take accountability for the fact that you literally have been getting six hours of sleep and your body's inflamed? Like, don't make adjustments too soon. And it's important to understand that the scale is not just representative of body fat. Like you are seeing, when you see the scale changes, yes, you're seeing body fat changes. However, you're also seeing water shifts, glycogen shifts, undigested foods, and water shifts can come from a very wide array of things. I mean, it could be so many things, lack of sleep, a couple really hard workouts in a row. Like it can be your menstrual cycle, so many different things. Like I could literally do a whole episode on that. But keep in mind that when you see scale fluctuations or stalls on the scale, like you have to understand those other variables. You have to understand stress as a variable, sleep as a variable, digestion as a variable, like water, glycogen, all of that. We need to understand that. And you need to give it time before you just go and make an adjustment because you can actually end up making the issue worse if you, let's say that you're kind of already struggling with adherence and your sleep is really poor, but the scale's not moving and you're like, oh, I guess I just need to go lower. Well, now you're going to struggle even more with adherence. You're going to be even more likely to want to go binge and whatever. Like, that's not what we want to do. So when I'm talking about the adjustment, like, oh, you're, you aren't actually in a calorie deficit, this is like all other variables are checked off. We are truly stalled. That's when it's like, okay, well, I guess I need, and maybe you've even tried a refeed, maybe a little diet break, whatever, depending on where you're at. Now, now we knew, know that we need to make a drop. But anyways, back to, back to what I was saying. Don't make adjustments too soon because... If you do, you could end up really kind of setting yourself, I don't want to say setting yourself back might be the wrong word, but creating more issues down the line, essentially. Um, so yeah, and honestly, there's so much more that I want to say on that number 10 about like you aren't actually in a deficit. Like I literally keep having so many more contextual thoughts surrounding that. So maybe I'll just do like a whole episode about that. Maybe like I'll do a whole episode of like how to know when you actually need to drop calories. Because like if I have a client who's like super, super adherent in week one and like nothing changed, it may be that I didn't, I, that I need to make one more adjustment. But it's just so context dependent, like so context dependent. So maybe I'll do a whole episode on that. Um, but anyways, okay. So the second bonus tip is going to be to create yourself a meal plan. Um, this kind of goes back to the pre-planning, but if you are tracking your food and you're eating in a deficit, or honestly, like even for myself right now, I basically, I would say, I don't, I, I mean, I guess I would call it a meal plan. Like I just plan my week in advance and I'm not even tracking right now. So call it a meal plan, call it whatever you want. I plan my meals and that's what I eat. So I guess that's what it is. Um, but variety is really important, and I know, you know, people talk about, oh, well, if you just follow a meal plan, then, like, you're not going to get the variety, but you can absolutely get variety within creating yourself, like, a meal plan because the next week you just need to switch up a few of your sources. Like, 
just each week kind of think about rotating some different food sources. Like it doesn't need to be this total shift to everything that you're doing, but making some little swaps to maybe the veggies that you were picking, the carb sources, the some of the protein sources, and it doesn't have to be every single thing. Like you will probably have some staples that just kind of stay in regardless, but creating some variety on a week-to-week basis can definitely be great um, for you mentally, for your gut, um, things like that. But I definitely, definitely recommend creating yourself a meal plan. So once you have your macros, go ahead and pre-plan and now you know what you need to follow. And if you're somebody who you really like to switch it up even throughout the week, I would just maybe make two different days that you can rotate through if that helps you. And I actually, in my meal prep episode, have like a whole chat on the whole like variety, like, oh, I like to switch it up. Like, so if you want to listen in on that, you can. And then the third bonus tip is due to the variance with food labels. um, So for example, food labels, they can round actually quite a bit and they're not always going to be just super accurate when it comes to these like super processed foods. So due to the variance with that and the variance that can come with eating out, especially like, I mean, not only are restaurant menu items, it's not going to be perfect, but especially when you look at somewhere where it's like a Chipotle, where it's like, well, how do you know how much the guy actually scooped on there? Like, there's going to be a lot of variance with that stuff. So the more that you can make your own foods and stick to just like whole real foods, the better. And when I say like whole real foods, I mean, basically, all that I mean by that is like, literally foods that are in their natural state essentially um because there's going to be less variance there not to mention probably going to be more satiated less inflamed better digestion like all of these things so i'm not saying you have to be 100 percent perfect all of the time with that but if we can make the majority of our diet foods that we are eating we're sticking to those whole foods like it's going to help there not be as many variables and those other factors that i just mentioned so those are just a couple of bonus tips Um, But I hope that this episode was helpful. I don't know if I have any coaches listening to this one, but like these may be some things to look out for and talk to your clients about. But if you're somebody who is tracking or maybe you're trying to get into tracking or whatever, these are definitely things to kind of assess yourself on, especially before you jump into something like number 10 and assume, oh, well, Sydney said I wasn't actually in a deficit, so I guess I need to drop food again. No, no, no. I also need you to make sure you're not doing all of those other things, and I need you to give your adjustments time, and remember that the scale fluctuates for a lot of reasons first as well. So anyways, I hope that this episode was helpful. I did not expect it to go like basically 42 minutes long, but that's all right. Had a lot to say today, and I will talk to you guys in the next one. Bye!